Welcome to the Well Workplaces podcast, where we have authentic conversations with health and wellbeing leaders that are on a mission to inspire healthy change in the workplace. I'm your host, Tom Bosner, and today's episode is proudly brought to you by Pinnacle Health Group, Australia's leading corporate wellbeing provider, who are on a mission to deliver 5 million health experiences globally. In today's episode, I'm chatting with Nitin Kavila, who joins me all the way from Singapore. Nitin is a management leader, entrepreneur, engineer, and meditation trainer. It's quite an interesting mix. He currently is the managing director for French manufacturing group, Sergi Ferrari, which is a leader in the flexible composite material sector. And his scope of operations is massive. Um, From Japan, Korea, China, Hong Kong, India, Australia, New Zealand, Middle East and Africa. So he's traveling a fair bit in his current role. He's also a meditation trainer for global non-for-profit business called Heartfulness, and he's currently chairman of the board of directors for Heartfulness Singapore. And so in this episode, I'm really interested in hearing a little bit from Nitin in terms of how workplaces and spaces can be enhanced for performance and how can they be designed to be a little bit more mindful, especially as the world has changed, the world of work has really changed in the last few years. And so I'll ask Nitin a little bit about his career in, in terms of how he made that transition from, or how he intersects and connects the dots between construction, architecture, and how he got interested in meditation himself. We, we'll talk about some of the key trends in aesthetic design for office spaces, especially in the commercial sector right now. We'll talk about some of those bigger challenges for organisations that are happening practically right now, such as the idea of office days being fit for collaboration and for productivity. And so we'll talk about what is important here from a design perspective. We'll touch on thermal comfort and lighting and other elements that can really enhance the workplaces and spaces that we work in. Maybe some of us won't really be too aware of some of these little subtleties that that can be designed to help us feel better and enhance our mental health as well. And we'll talk about the future of work and what Nitin's perspective is on where the trends are heading from a design perspective, but also generally from his worldly experience, what is happening in the different regions and how future of work will play out in these regions as well. Let's head across to the show. Welcome to the show, Nitin. Thank you, Tom. Thank you for inviting me and great to be on your show. Thanks very much. Yeah, it's it's uh, a very interesting time to be speaking with with you. I'm in Melbourne, you're in Singapore, and uh, with we were just talking uh, off air about how I guess the impact of, of COVID is, you know, has has affected individuals, but also workspaces at the point in time of recording this. So I'm interested today to really hear from you. You've got a very expansive background in, in the world of architecture or, or the built environment. Really interested to hear about how workspaces could be enhanced for performance for organizations, but also how uh, workspaces can be built to be a little bit more mindful. And that's um, going to be leading into your experience or your, and your knowledge as a meditation trainer. So Nitin, tell us a little bit, bit about your career in uh, the building and construction industry and architecture and how that got you interested in meditation. And was there a point where they came together or are they separate interests? 
Well, that's a good question. Actually, in fact, I'll I'll start the second part first. I would say long before I've got into this career. I mean, it was only in my first year of work uh, in my in um, mid 1990s when I was in India. That's where I got associated with the meditation uh, practice. So that actually has continued over the last 20 plus years. And okay, my career did evolve from building materials to a bit in uh, food and dairy. Uh, when I was in India, then when I moved to France for my MBA, after that, it's been more or less in the, uh, uh, you know, the environment of buildings, which started with home automation and then moved into the uh, classical building materials, which was roofing. And now with Search Ferrari, which is in tensile uh, structures, which talk about, or, uh, you know, composite materials, which covers elements of outside exterior uh, structures and even interior applications. So I would say uh, meditation was, I mean, the starting point, but in the end, over the period of time, because of my work and travel and working across different time zones and different people, it's always been a kind of a normalizing element for me, even making career decisions, even trying to, you know, uh, manage with the time differences, with the hectic travels and everything to keep me at at peace and be able to, you know, do what I'm supposed to do. So it's been, it's been, uh, been converging a lot over the last many, I would say two decades now. Yeah. Amazing. And it's, it's great to hear from you. Obviously you're in a leadership role in, in the business that you operate and, and you're traveling quite a lot. You're in Singapore, you're off to the you you were in India yesterday and you're off to the US and soon that's right, isn't it? Yeah. So so do you find that meditation is something that really just keeps you you grounded throughout, you know, the role that you you're doing, which is obviously quite busy and the travel aspect as well. So meditation is that is that what what it's really where it fits in for you? Absolutely. I mean, in fact, I mean meditation has helped me in many ways. Uh, obviously, the classical uh, elements, what you will expect in meditation, the calmness, the relaxation, you feel that you're able to focus better. I mean, all those, I would say, byproducts uh, always come. But beyond that, I mean, only people, if you experience meditation, people can feel that and understand uh, in that sense that, you know, getting your mind at rest or putting, um, you know, even thoughts keep on bothering you. You know, I learned, uh, I mean, in fact, I knew that we have a lot of thoughts, but I never knew the number. As somebody told me that we have 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day. I imagine a, a one thought every 1.25 seconds. So, and we don't even, we are not, our conscious mind is not even aware of that because we can maybe focus on a couple of things uh, at one point of time. So it always helps to, you know, manage that, bring the focus at times, because as I mentioned, as, as you'd also talked about the travel, uh, what I have seen is a good meditation can also compensate to some element of sleep. I've, I've read a paper where it says a good one hour of meditation can be equivalent to three to four hours of uh, sleep. And I've seen that for myself, you know, coming sometimes traveling across zones with a six hour, nine hour time difference, landing and then immediately getting ready for the work. I mean, getting a chance to meditate in the flight helps me that I'm fresh and ready to go. Sometimes you have to make in, in uh, any workplace, I would say anybody has to uh, make sometimes difficult decisions, sometimes important decisions. And uh, while you may have all the facts together, I think what meditation helps me is to, to you know, help me go into my inside and get all the uh, knowledge, wisdom, which my subconscious has gathered by observing things, you know, by noticing things and with, with past experiences. 
that uh, then combining that feeling element with the thinking element that's what meditation brings to me if i if i look at it in the professional element uh, professional field of work and responsibility because most of the time we think professionals okay you need to know the numbers you need to think you need to look at the facts and take the decision but i've always felt the moment you add an element of feeling also to that then really it uh, kind of makes a full comprehensive full uh, exhaustive way of looking at things and then i think generally i've seen you are always on the on the right track at that moment sometimes people may feel oh what uh, what's the logic behind taking that decision but over a period of time you would realize that that was the right one to take and that comes it's a very subtle element but it comes from the feeling now you cannot capture the feeling which is coming from your inside under unless your mind is at rest so that's where the connection comes when your mind is at rest you have the elements to think and take decision the facts are there but the feeling comes from your heart and if your mind is at rest you capture that you feel that you sense that and then you're able to combine that so that's where i think i've seen more and more and i've got a deeper developed understanding of that that uh, how it helps that's it. yeah yeah and with with all your i guess practice that's a long you've been doing this you know it sounds like you've been practicing uh, this individually for a long period of time. So that's really insightful how you, what you're sharing there. And I also love hearing that from someone like yourself that's in a leadership role, because sometimes with the likes of meditation, perhaps, or even mindfulness, it is sometimes one of the things that people know they should maybe explore, but sometimes the workload or the stress levels of their current individual role overrides that and they can't really even attempt the, the, uh, the exercise. So, you know, I, I guess just on that, what would your advice be to someone just to sort of dabble into this meditation, given that you are also a meditation uh, trainer? Uh, that's a good point you brought in. In fact, you know, this is a question I get uh, asked many times uh, as a meditation. I'm also a meditation trainer for uh, two decades now. Uh, when conducting sessions for individuals or for corporate environments, uh, they they ask that, and and I mean, as a meditation trainer, I'm a volunteer, so that's that's not something uh, the practice I follow. We charge for, we offer it free to the community. I always say, and sometimes it's difficult to understand. Again, I say that people who've uh, not yet maybe had a session, I've always say that uh, for me, it's it's the reverse. The fact that I'm able to do meditation and I try to do as regular as possible every day. I feel always I have more time at hand than when I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. So, so it's, it's not about, yes, when you start this journey, it's about thinking, oh, I need to take out 10 minutes. I need to take out half an hour. I need to take out one hour. Where will I get this time? You know, I have a busy schedule and, and everybody responds like that. But the moment you take it as part of your, you know, daily cycle, you wake up, you go, you brush your teeth, all those elements you do. Now, if you integrate that, meditation also okay maybe you need to get up uh, possibly 30 minutes earlier but the moment you do that and the and the advantage it brings as i talked about earlier uh, you will feel that you're fresh you're alert you're totally focused on whatever you do even if it's 10 hours 12 hours in meetings and calls or whatever so you end up realizing that you have more time at hand rather than thinking oh I have a daily schedule of 18 hours. How am I able to uh, now take out another half an hour to do this meditation? So it's a it's a mindset. 
uh, I also know that it's easier said than done. Okay, I have experienced it. I can talk about it. But somebody who's not been in that, uh, they'll still wonder. But then, you know, it's always boils down to you can talk hours and hours on meditation, but the meditation is really in the part of it doing it. You know, that's where you really feel the feel the benefit of it and you can take the advantage of that. Mm, yeah. And and also I think, you know, that that try you know, trying and then that accumulative effect of it of repeating that little, you know, that little attempt over time is where the benefits are. No, thanks. And and I've 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 gone into that there because it's just a really interesting mix that you have of your experience and, and leadership and also keeping yourself grounded through through meditation. It's really, uh, really fascinating for me. So switching, switching gears a little bit here, Nitin, but what about, let's talk about spaces or workspaces here. Well, I've been observing things from afar and, and in our business at Pinnacle Health Group, where we're very much in the, the space of building amenities and understanding or trying to understand how things, you know, are working or things are trending at the moment through this rapid change that the world's going through. What do you think are the key trends in aesthetic design for office spaces or commercial real estate right now, given that, you know, this is, this is in your realm and this is in your, in your sort of wheelhouse, if you like. Well, we are now seeing some interesting elements. I mean, okay, workspaces were already moving in a different way of design, I would say, even before COVID. I mean, people were re-looking at spaces. People were re-looking at, do we still look at the classical concept of having cabins or rooms? I mean... Are they closed? Are they open? Or in that sense. So open space was actually, I would say, one trend which was happening. But it's obviously magnified and uh, accelerated after the COVID. So, but what do I, what we see also, and maybe it's the, it's, it's because of the challenges which corporates are now facing to get people back to work. Because I think they've realized that they can save in a big city, if I'm saying, they can save, I mean, if I Possibly take an example of Sydney in Australia, I suppose. It's not easy, I mean, in terms of traffic and everything. And there are many cities in Asia and Europe. When people realize, oh, I could save two and a half hours, two hours, one hour, three hours of daily commute. And I can still contribute sincerely and uh, and honestly. And the company, you know, trust that. Then people are saying, why should I go even to back to work? I mean, it was working well. So I think that's accelerated in the way people are designing workspaces. They're making more like a home environment, if I may say so. You know, more spaces, not like classical tables and chairs. Okay, they are still there. They will have to be there. But giving spaces where, okay, you can walk out of your room, sit there on a side, which is a more comfortable, colorful environment. Have a quick chat with your colleague rather than sitting across the table, which kind of does not help in conversation. So that's a, that's more and more you see people having open spaces also or more interaction spaces if i'm if i may say every company uses a different buzzword for that you know to make it interesting mm. they have created nice i would say designs colors sometimes in our like in our products in fact it's interesting we are also redesigning our head office and it was uh, the initial draft was being shown to some of us so obviously we have products for interiors so there's a nice color mix we also have products for furniture so we are using that uh, there's a coffee machine there's a kitchen there uh, you can just catch up. There's high seating. High seating is becoming an interesting element that either you can stand and I'm I'm sitting you uh, sitting with you and talking. Maybe if you're doing 10 podcasts a day, Tom, I'm sure half of them you would be doing standing because it's easy for you to uh, you know to interact. So I think those are uh, happening a lot on the on the um, technical aspect of it, if I may say so. The glare, the heat part was already being looked at. Uh, mm -hmm. 
But now I think last two years, people have seen extreme summers. I would say even Australia has been uh, like that and, and Europe has been crazy. I think the air conditioning element or how to manage heat within the office is becoming a key element now, whether posed by climate change or environment change or again to make a space comfortable. And uh, slowly and slowly, I would say the acoustic element is now coming up. So we have the glare, we have the heat, all those elements and the design of the space. But acoustic is coming up because the more you have open spaces, the more uh, I always differentiate uh, acoustics in that element that uh, you differentiate between bad noise and good sound. So mm. not looking for recording rooms. I am sure you might have uh, one for you because you do so many podcasts. But mm. what you look at is you're sitting in an open space. Obviously, you're not overhearing, but you can hear at least the other person who's opposite you or besides you comfortably and you don't feel... I mean, then it's the same problem. It's better to be inside the room rather than in an outside workspace. So, so people are exploring that, uh, and that's uh, that's catching up a lot more now. And in the terms of the design, uh, designers also looking at it. Acoustics uh, experts are being called now. We have this example in some of the projects in Australia and New Zealand, but those are public projects or sports. It's becoming a very key element that an acoustician is involved, and they look at. Uh, what's the noise level with changes uh, in in those kinds of and the same thing is slowly coming in the work environment. Yeah, that's fascinating, isn't it? And it's uh, there's a lot of yeah the the different buzzwords as you as you said you know collaboration zones and flexible spaces and all that. For for some people, they might remember you know going back maybe ten years ago or five years that the idea of of pop desking was. You know, that flex, you know, that mode of let's, let's get a little bit more agile with our approach, with how we use our spaces as in people could, you know, use as in the hot desking concept. But what, what would ha often happen then is you would find, and, and personally I'm terrible in open offices because I'm one of those people that needs things to be quite quiet, to be able to focus. And what used to happen in that hot desking world and we had a lot of clients tell us this as well, is that come in and then the first thing they would do is put their headphones on. So now the world has changed and they're working from home and they're probably performing better. And, and a lot of them have reported, well, there's no point coming in now because I just can't, I, I can do my, I don't need my headphones when I'm at home because I'm in a quiet, quiet space. So that, that acoustic uh, element and focusing on it, on that makes a lot of sense to to accommodate different modes of working and different styles of workers as well and their preferences. It sounds like noise or acoustics here is is one of the main things that you mentioned. I, I guess from a mental health perspective, what are some of the implications, I guess, of having a noisy environment? Like what are, what are some of the, I guess, the frustrations, you know, how I've mentioned you know, those introverts there that maybe need the, the headphones on and things to be quiet. What, what do you think are the main issues from, or considerations from a mental health perspective or mental wellness perspective? I mean, I suppose uh, the fact that, uh, you know, if you, if somebody moves from a closed space to an open space, I mean, even for a, for a meeting or something, they would, it's like, they feel there would be a lot of clutter and, and too much noise is going around. And then kind of it affects them to, I would say, focus even in that uh, in that one-to-one -one interaction or one-to-many interactions, which may be, you know, kind of informal interaction, if I may say so. So mm -hmm. I think that's an element which then um, uh, has a risk that, okay, if you, uh, because the whole office will be designed like that, okay, some 
key management because of confidential elements and everything may need to have a enclosed space, but it may be also of glass, not uh, really uh, panels that you cannot uh, see through or whatever. Uh, so, so that um, kind of then uh, you feel, oh, uh, it's, I am doing this, but I feel I'm not able to complete the work which I was thinking of to complete because first of all, something which should have been done in 15 minutes, I'm taking half an hour, 45 minutes to do so. Then I come back, there's still, you know, so many noises in my head which remain because as I mentioned, that consciously you are doing one or two things, but subconsciously, whatever is going on in the background, it's being absorbed and uh, that way. So that leaves you with the heaviness. And if at the end of the day, okay, we get tired, uh, the day has gone, but tiredness is also, there are two elements, the physical element and the mental element. And I think if mental tiredness happens a lot more and on a regular basis, then uh, either the person will say, I'm, I'll stop, I'll take a break, it's too much. Or I'll find another place to to work with. And then there's an element also with in today's electronic environment. I mean, it was already there. But mm. a lot of messages come through different platforms, chatting platforms. The emails are coming. Somebody else is calling. Uh, after COVID, there was a big jump in the businesses and the demand. So there was everybody was under pressure. So So those kinds of things. In the end, what you want is, I mean, while work, we know it's not, uh, it may not be per se physical like a sports person, but the last thing you want is to become mentally tired. Yeah, it may happen, but in the end, you still have to go back, be with your family. And imagine if you're mentally tired and you're also driving back, uh, say, a distance and you come back home and you carry that. I mean, it again does not help you with the with the environment when you're back home with your family members. So, so it gets aggravated. So while we may say, oh, there is no direct correlation to see that, but in the end, it does happen. It does happen. You know? And and uh, if you start losing people uh, or your talent because of this, then uh, it's a worrying sign. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's a really like this this conversation's really interesting because it, it's talking in contrast to some of my other conversations. It's really around the built environment and how that can impact our well-being, our individual well-being. And if you add up all of that, across an organization for the example that you've just brought up there, which is that fatigue and that tiredness from potentially noise interruptions and therefore not getting tasks or projects done on time. That can lead to a feeling of well, tiredness, but also that, that feeling like I'm not doing my job properly or I'm not getting things done as I would like. So there's a really like a hidden impact that it can have on your well-being and through things like the International Wealth Building Institute and the Well Standards, there's, there's a lot of science and great evidence around this now as how important it can be. I think needed maybe one of the other elements uh, that we haven't mentioned here is, is lighting as well. Is that something that's focusing on at the moment as a key trend or is that something that was sort of dealt with a little while ago? No, it, it has always been there. I would mm. say in the past, it was more about internal lighting. So all the gadgets which you may use, what kind of a lamp, uh, whether it's a yellow light or a white light, how it's mm. been done. So that was already happening. But now I think what has happened is the awareness towards sustainability and the environment and also a lot of talk uh, which is happening and we can see that also about climate change. What There's a thought which is coming. Can I take the advantage of the light outside, now whether it's sun or whatever, and then design my space, which also helps me and uh, save and conserve energy. Now it could be heating loads, cooling loads. 
it could be light where I can still play with the natural light, but not have glare on my computer screen or my workspace screen or where I'm working. But at the same time, I use less of the energy. So the lighting now as an exterior source sun is always there uh, in, in that sense, in the, in the I mean, context of it. Uh, how do we use that? And that's where then when you're designing either offices or building and most of the facades generally tend to be glass. Now, how are you playing, uh, playing with that? So we see a lot of architects and designers playing a very key role now. Okay, blinds inside, everybody knows. But there's an element of, can I look at exterior shading? Can I look at exterior uh, elements of solar protection where it could be an exterior blind, it could be an exterior awning where then I manage and regulate the light and add to it if I can also manage the thermal load of the building because if heat blocked outside the building, is much better with if the heat already comes inside the glass, then okay, the blind will help you, but the heat is already in the building. So it mm. does not help much with the with your cooling loads or the air conditioning usage. So uh, that is really happening. People are much open. There are, I would say, a lot of, even in countries like India, which for me was a big surprise. I learned about it earlier this year, that there's an exterior shading organization and association which has come up which actually i was never even we were even being in this industry we were ne never aware of but you see that in europe uh these kinds of association organizations are really working to push that concept which which ties in and tunes in with the, all the elements of sustainability energy conservation and having a very nice workspace because finally if you can connect to the environment when you're sitting in your room there's nothing better than that to feel fresh you know, mm, locked mm. inside in a closed area, no windows, no natural light. In the end, it will also get uh, on on your uh, on your health, and it will affect, as we spoke about, the mental element of it. So, if you can tie in with your exterior and uh, environment, at least you feel connected, and then you have that feeling of freshness also throughout the day. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's right. There's a real there's that real human need sometimes, and I I, I feel it as well. Where where I'm in, if I'm in the city. For too long and i i really need to be around some green spaces so what we're seeing uh when you connect with either it's a, a building and there's there's it's a lot of greenery for example on the outside it all you automatically feel better when you when you're in there it's a nice feeling because you feel a little bit grounded from the nature that you see and the nature that you can interact with one other thing i'll notice a little bit just through through my research and, and learnings is um, a little bit more focus on green roofs, which might seem a little bit sort of like an interesting topic to go on in this conversation, but just the green, adding green to the, to the roofs across different cities. I think it's Paris, is it Paris where they're mandating this now, I think where, you know, all the buildings have to have green roofs or, or they're moving towards them. I think Australia is following that, that lead or is trying to. Yeah. It's an, an and I think it's coming back to the same point that people have realized. And in fact, in the last six months in uh, Europe, we see even our manufacturing is in France and in Germany. We see the level of elements of cost pressures with the energy cost is putting now. You suddenly now there's that element of acceptance. Okay, it will take time because buildings cannot be changed uh, overnight. Uh, there's a new one coming. There's an old one which has to be then adapted. So this green roof, all is towards that direction and it's not only green roof we see how facades are designed today you know uh, we we participate in a lot of facade conferences i i present there also and we talk about having a facade mesh as a second skin uh, which mm -hmm. then you're able to block 85 percent of the heat 
before coming into the building. So in that sense, I've been doing uh, since last many years in Asia and uh, other parts. I see a lot of more in, uh, interest, even from facade designers and building designers, that, okay, uh, you can play aesthetically, you can design, you can print, you're still connected with the, with the environment because there's a good view through, but you're able to manage the heat load. So I think all that is coming from that direction that if any of you have concrete structures, you don't even have space to plant a tree. Then where mm -hmm. do you go? How do you make it a breathable space? How do you make it a cooling space for your buildings and manage the energy from what it exists uh, already? I think that's in that direction. Even in Singapore, you know, it's a small area, big density of people, a lot of concrete structures. But I would say one of the most greenest cities, I would say, in the world, considering the space here in Singapore in that sense. And so landscaping is a very key element here uh, in Singapore. And that's part of the world design, whether they make an highway, whether they make a new area of uh, office area and everything so, mm. so having green roofs having a green facades in terms of how trees are there or even some floors when they leave it open so that trees can be put there i think it's all part of that all part of that yeah it's really interesting and it's exciting as well for as a person in well, living melbourne it's a, a great city you'll you'll visit it eventually when uh when you can in your in your travels with work but but yeah it's a great city and it's got a lot of growth and it's just exciting to see and hear some of these things uh that are a little bit more coming from a sustainability perspective as well one of the other big challenges needed i guess for organizations or commercial real estate people or property groups as well is like with office and you know, office workers not that whole, not that idea of how do you pull them back in because, you know, the, the hybrid environment or the remote working is, is working quite well for some places, but there, there is a lot of office space that's, uh, let's be real, it's been empty and underutilized. So I'm wondering as well, from your perspective, are there any things that you're seeing that from a design or building perspective that are really being lent on a little bit to help encourage employees back to the office? Yeah, so I think this uh, concept we talk about open interactive workspaces, mm. that's becoming a big thing. You've seen many people have entered into this business to create collaborative workspaces. So it's true that while you work from home, but if you need to meet people, I mean, you're part of an organization, you're part of a human ecosystem, which is also mm -hmm. needed, you know. So it's not about, okay, last one and a half years, sometimes we were forced by policies and everything, which was in the safe, safety interests of the citizens. But in the end, finally, everything cannot happen through a, through a Teams or a Zoom or any video conference. It becomes more transactional. You come with a list, you do the checkbox. Okay, I've covered all the points and say bye-bye, thank you. And you're, you say, oh, sorry, I have to stop now. I have to enter into another uh, mm -hmm. video call. So whereas the softer elements where you can discuss some more things around the uh, sitting around having a cup of coffee or, or whatever. So that's, that's missing. So I think people need that. So more and more collaborative workspaces have also come up as businesses that, okay, you both uh, or few people are working from home, but they need to meet. So what's mm. the best way? Maybe uh, uh, office is too far or maybe they feel, okay, let's go to this place where, okay, we have access to everything, a nice meeting room. Let's sit down there and let's uh, let's do our thing. So this is this is happening a lot. And I, I see that more and more. I, when, I was, when I was in India, I saw that last week. In Singapore, it's becoming a big thing. So a lot of commercial spaces which are in uh, the city CBD area, uh, those are getting converted and transferred, you know, redesigned in that sense. 
So it's a good business model. People are looking at it. And then obviously, I mean, if people can uh, go back and uh, and uh, how the organization is managing, as you said, the hybrid working, uh, that's also happening. So I think it's it's uh, it's a good uh, business, I would say, a space ma management to enter to. And uh, and people are still appreciating that because that is, at least that has started, you seeing that happening a lot where, okay, if two of your colleagues are in a close-by area, okay, rather than driving 40, 50 kilometers, okay, let's find a place to 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 work together and you can still do the same things and and maybe those are the only people you would have met if you had gone uh, to the office that day for example yeah yeah perfect yeah that makes sense and that kind of uh, I kind of like to think of it as taking a little bit of the best from co-working where that was you know a few years ago as as that like he was saying earlier is like making it feel like home it's it's really great and certainly at, at a practical level I've seen in the last six months lots of people and teams coming together in the office and they're really just the main focus is really it's that social social connection, which can really enhance obviously our overall sense of sense of well being. Because we're not we're not robots. We shouldn't be looking at screens and interacting one on one, or you know all of those digital distractions increase when we are in a remote, fully remote sort of environment. So there's a there's certainly a place for all of that. That's that's amazing. If, if that, I may add on this point, just sorry, Tom. Uh, on the co-working space, we one interesting thing I'm seeing. You know, I think before COVID, it was called a co-working space, but the element was that people who did not have an access to a workspace, I mean, it was, say, people uh, or professionals working in a city, they're just starting up operations. For them to take out a big space was not so cost-effective. So let's have a small room where we have a common facility. It was a co-working space, but in the end, it was your own space. I mean, the co-working is a misleading here. But what mm -hmm. is now happening is, in the element of real definition, it is becoming a co-working space because you have an office, but you're actually coming there for half a day or few hours and then working together there, you know. So it's it's a bit of change which has been happening in these. So these spaces are also renting out spaces for an hour. It's like a, they've created those restaurant chairs kind of thing, you know, where you have a small mm -hmm. private space. So you can sit there, take that space for a couple of hours, interact. And that's that's the change which is happening in this co-working space design and uh, and the people who entered into this business also. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's it's very exciting, and, and it's all it's only going to enhance everyone's work experience at the end of the day. I've got just got one last question yeah. for you, and I like to ask this, and it's it's for someone like you with lots of experience in this space. You're seeing the trends evolve, and and you can probably predict and start to think a little bit ahead. So my question is really around. The future of work, what does it look like for you in, in offices or workplaces in, say, 10 years based on, you know, your current uh, role and, and just your knowledge in the area? What do you think it looks like? So I'll start from the bigger part of it. Uh, I think the first part would be, we talked a bit on that, is how the buildings will be designed. You know, I mean, in terms of when a new building or a space is coming, what are people doing that? So on our overall part, and here I'm talking the exterior part. So we talked about green roofs. We talked about facades. I think how facades are going to be designed to manage the heat load, to manage the light, to manage the glare and the aesthetics and not to take down an old building, but really convert the old building, envelop it into a nice new building in terms of aesthetically. I think that's catching on a lot and it will really become a key uh, element. It's like, you know, I, I foresee uh, when we had these, you know, plastered uh, walls, which are still there, Okay, every two years I need to change the paint, right? 
So I, that's that's what I foresee in terms of facade designs happening going forward mm -hmm. and uh, more awareness and openness is coming towards that. Now, when you come to the inside part, uh, I think collaborative workspaces, but then what's the next in that? Okay, we've talked about open space, nice design, nice colors, uh, heat, layer, acoustics, which is obviously will be a mm -hmm. big thing in terms of it may one become a level, I would say that it becomes standardized with heat, light, and acoustics. I mean, that's where I see, and we try to encourage that. Uh, it's it's uh, it's happening. Uh, third would be like when you have collaborative spaces, you still have this challenge. I have to take my laptop. Where do I connect it? We've seen in some of the sci-fi movies, you know, where they bring the screen directly. You know, it's it's a virtual uh, screen. You're playing. You're projecting. Mm -hmm. I suppose maybe that could be a very key part because okay, you're sitting there, two of you. Suddenly, you feel oh, I need to show something. Yeah, then you're struggling. The screen is small. I have to bend. Can I call for a screen somewhere? You know, I mean, a, a, mm. a digital, a virtual one. I immediately through my LAN network in the office, I project it on that. And it's a, it's a private one. Only two of you are seeing it. But at least uh, it's it's the next element, I would say, in the in the technology part, uh, which I see could, could happen. And after that, I think all the necessary other elements of uh, maybe giving like a, nice cafe look and all those things which make you feel that I want to be here encourage more people to interact encourage uh, uh, doing more events as companies so that people can come and and meet maybe families can be brought over one of the days you know some companies do that uh, that uh, these are a few things I feel will happen uh, may take time from country to country city to city or company to company mm. because it requires a bit of investment but I think uh, once people realize the biggest investment is people, then anything around that will always look smaller, you know. And I think mm. that human capital, how do I preserve, how do I encourage, how do I motivate? Once that is known, then I think every every else cost, you don't think in money terms because real money is being brought by your talent anyway to the organization. Mm. Yeah, that's a, that's a nice, uh, nice big thinking there. And I think the technology one's a really interesting one. That idea of taking that a step further is almost that whole, you know, you, you as a hologram and you'd sp you're speaking with someone who's on the other end, maybe in another country and they're on their own, own thing. I'm not a technologist, so I don't know enough about it, but it certainly, certainly that idea of walk, walking into an office space and there's a cafe and it automatically knows what you want or what your personalized order is. So that personalization from a tech perspective, we're, we're saying 10 years, so that's 2032. So it's actually, you know, it's, it, things happen, things have happened so fast in two years. So imagine another 10, it's pretty, uh, I like to think like that. It's kind of fun to, uh, to shoot some ideas around knitting with you. Thanks so much for your time. We've explored every, every element here. We've gone pretty deep into this, into your expertise, and I really appreciate your insights. They're really fascinating. So thanks for your time. No, thank you, Tom. And actually, I mean, the obviously, as a person who's asking questions, that's what it makes interesting because, you know, how do you, I mean, the kind of questions you've asked, I mean, it's while I'm answering, sometimes some thoughts also come to my mind and it has actually one or a couple of things have just come to my mind also. So it's it's always interesting to have this uh, these interactions and for thank you for the very insightful and interesting questions. Yeah, thank you. And uh, yeah, all the best with your, your travel and uh, the rest of your couple of weeks ahead of you. We've got a busy time ahead. So uh, yeah, take care and uh, thanks again. And thank you, Tom. And uh, I hope it, maybe it's an, another just one more month for the winters in Melbourne and you, you'll be uh, looking forward <laughs> to the summer cycle coming over from September onwards. Now. So Absolutely.
Absolutely. Yes. I look forward to the walk with her. Thanks, Nita. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to another Well Workplaces podcast. If you've loved the show, it would be fantastic if you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or feel free to follow us on LinkedIn or Instagram and search Well Workplaces or my profile, Tom Bosner. If you would like to hear more about our exclusive events and more about the Well Workplaces community, feel free to email me directly at tom at wellworkplaces.com.au where I'd love you to tell me who I should interview in the future podcasts. This podcast is really built on community input and built on the aspiration of inspiring healthy change in every workplace. Thanks for listening.